Hello and welcome to the Strange Tales podcast presented by me your host Winston R. Douglas. We are a podcast that looks at weird and wonderful tales from history, true crime, conspiracies and much more. I will try to cover various topics from different eras hopefully we can take a journey through history together. If you are a first time listener please look back on our previous episodes, if you are a returning listener thank you for your continual support. If you enjoy the podcast please smash that gorgeous like button, and subscribe so that you will be notified to future shows. Also if you could write a 5 star review that would really help us get the word out, so other people can enjoy the podcast as well. You can follow me on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube at Strange Tales Pod. Or you can message me at strangetalespod at gmail.com, with feedback or ideas on future shows. If you would like to support the podcast you can do so through Patreon, go to patreon.com forward slash strangetalespod. Where we have plans from as little as 3 US dollars a month and you can opt out any time. Any help is much appreciated. This week we will take a look into the rock supergroup Fleetwood Mac who were formed in London 1967. They were founded by guitarist Peter Green, drummer Mick Fleetwood and guitarist Jeremy Spencer, before bassist John McVie joined the lineup for their self-titled debut album. Fleetwood Mac have sold more than 120 million records worldwide, making them one of the world's best-selling bands. In 1998 the band were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and received the Brit Award for Outstanding Contribution to Music. Okay let's get into today's strange tale. Fleetwood Mac were formed in July 1967 in London, England, when Peter Green left the British blues band John Mayall and the Blues Breakers. Green had previously replaced guitarist Eric Clapton in the Blues Breakers and had received critical acclaim for his work on their album A Hard Road. Green had been in two bands with Mick Fleetwood, Peter B's Lunas and the subsequent Shotgun Express, and suggested Fleetwood as a replacement for drummer Ainsley Dunbar when Dunbar left the Blues Breakers to join the new Jeff Beck slash Rod Stewart band. John Mayall agreed and Fleetwood joined the Blues Breakers. The Blues Breakers then consisted of Green, Fleetwood, John McVie and Mayall. Mayall gave Green free recording time as a gift, which Fleetwood, McVie and Green used to record five songs. The fifth song was an instrumental that Green named after the rhythm section, Fleetwood Mac, Mac being short for McVie. Soon after this, Green suggested to Fleetwood that they form a new band. The pair wanted McVie on bass guitar and named the band Fleetwood Mac to entice him, but McVie opted to keep his steady income with Mayall rather than take a risk with a new band. In the meantime Peter Green and Mick Fleetwood had teamed up with slide guitarist Jeremy Spencer and bassist Bob Brunning. Brunning was in the band on the understanding that he would leave if McVie agreed to join. The Green, Fleetwood, Spencer, Brunning version of the band made its debut on 13 August 1967 at the Windsor Jazz and Blues Festival as Peter Green's Fleetwood Mac, also featuring Jeremy Spencer. Brunning played only a few gigs with Fleetwood Mac. Within weeks of this show, 
John McVie agreed to join the band as permanent bassist. Fleetwood Mac's self-titled debut album was a no-frills blues album and was released by the Blue Horizon label in February 1968. There were no other players on the album, except on the song Long Grey Mare, which was recorded with Brunning on bass. The album was successful in the UK and reached no. 4, although no tracks were released as singles. Later in the year the singles Black Magic Woman, later a big hit for Santana, and Need Your Love So Bad were released. The band's second studio album, Mr. Wonderful, was released in August 1968. Like their first album, it was all blues. The album was recorded live in the studio with mic'd amplifiers and a PA system, rather than being plugged into the board. They also added horns and featured a friend of the band on keyboards, Christine Perfect of Chicken Shack. Shortly after the release of Mr. Wonderful, Fleetwood Mac recruited 18-year-old guitarist Annie Kerwin. He was in the South London Blues Trio Boiler House, consisting of Kerwin, guitar, Trevor Stevens bass and Dave Terry, drums. Green and Fleetwood had watched Boiler House rehearse in a basement boiler room, and Green had been so impressed that he invited the band to play support slots for Fleetwood Mac. Green wanted Boiler House to become a professional band but Stevens and Terry were not prepared to turn professional, so Green tried to find another rhythm section for Kerwin by placing an ad in Melody Maker. There were over 300 applicants, but when Green and Fleetwood ran auditions at the Nags Head in Battersea, home of the Mike Vernon Blue Horizon Club, the hard-to-please Green could not find anyone good enough. Fleetwood invited Kerwin to join Fleetwood Mac as a third guitarist. Green was frustrated that Jeremy Spencer did not contribute to his songs. Kerwin, a talented self-taught guitarist, had a signature vibrato and a unique style that added a new dimension to the band's sound. In November 1968, with Kerwin in the band, they released their first number one single in Europe, Albatross, on which Kerwin duetted with Green. Green said later that the success of Albatross was thanks to Kerwin. If it wasn't for Danny, I would never have had a number one hit record. In January 1969 they released their first compilation album English Rose, which contained half of Mr. Wonderful plus new songs from Kerwin. Their next and more successful compilation album, The Pious Bird of Good Omen was released in August and contained various singles, b-sides and tracks the band had done with Eddie Boyd. On tour in the US in January 1969, the band recorded Fleetwood Mac in Chicago at the soon-to-close Chess Records studio with some of the blues legends of Chicago, including Willie Dixon, Buddy Guy, and Otis Spann. These were Fleetwood Mac's last all-blues recordings. Along with the change of style the band was also going through label changes. Up until that point they had been on the Blue Horizon label, but with Kerwin in the band the musical possibilities had become too diverse for a blues-only label. The band signed with Immediate Records and released the single Man of the World, which became another British and European hit. For the B-side Spencer fronted Fleetwood Mac as Earl Vince and the Valiants and recorded Somebody's Gonna Get Their Head Kicked In Tonight, typifying the more raucous rock and roll side of the band.
Immediate Records was in bad shape, however, and the band shopped around for a new deal. The Beatles wanted the band on Apple Records, Mick Fleetwood and George Harrison were brothers-in-law, but the band's manager Clifford Davis decided to go with Warner Brothers Records, through Reprise Records, a Frank Sinatra-founded label, the label they have stayed with ever since. Under the wing of Reprise, Fleetwood Mac released their third studio album, then Play On, in September 1969. Although the initial pressing of the American release of this album, was the same as the British version, it was altered to contain the song Oh Well, which featured consistently in live performances from the time of its release through 1997 and again starting in 2009. Then Play On, the band's first rock album, was written by Kerwin and Green, plus a track each by Fleetwood and McVie. Jeremy Spencer, meanwhile, had recorded a solo album of 1950s-style rock and roll songs, backed by the rest of the band except Green. By 1970, Green, the frontman of the band, had become a user of LSD. During the band's European tour, he experienced a bad acid trip at a hippie commune in Munich. Clifford Davis, the band's manager, singled out this incident as the crucial point in Green's mental decline. He said, The truth about Peter Green and how he ended up how he did is very simple. We were touring Europe in late 1969. When we were in Germany, Peter told me he had been invited to a party. I knew there were going to be a lot of drugs around and I suggested that he didn't go. But he went anyway and I understand from him that he took what turned out to be very bad, impure LSD. He was never the same again. German author and filmmaker Rainer Langhans stated in his autobiography that he and Ashi Obermeyer met Green in Munich and invited him to their Haifisch Kommune, where the drinks were spiked with acid. Langhans and Obermeyer were planning to organize an open-air Bavarian Woodstock, for which they wanted Jimi Hendrix and the Rolling Stones to be the main acts, and they hoped Green would help them to get in contact with the Rolling Stones. Green's last hit with Fleetwood Mac was the Green Manalishi, with the two-prong crown. The track was recorded at Warner Reprises Studios in Hollywood on the band's third U.S. tour in April 1970, a few weeks before Green left the band. A live performance was recorded at the Boston Tea Party in February 1970, and the song was later recorded by Judas Priest. Green Manalishi was released as Green's mental stability deteriorated. He wanted the band to give all their money to charity, but the other members of the band disagreed. In April, Green decided to quit the band after the completion of their European tour. His last show with Fleetwood Mac was on 20 May 1970. During that show the band went past their allotted time and the power was shut off, although Mick Fleetwood kept drumming. Some of the Boston Tea Party recordings, 5 6 7 February 1970, were eventually released in the 1980s as the Live in Boston album. A more complete remastered three volume compilation was released by Snapper Music in the late 1990s. Kerwin and Spencer were left with the task of replacing Green in their live shows and on their recordings. In September 1970, Fleetwood Mac released their fourth studio album, Kiln House. Kerwin's songs on the album moved the band in the direction of rock, 
while Spencer's contributions focused on recreating the country-tinged, sun-sound of the late 1950s. Christine Perfect, who had retired from the music business after one unsuccessful solo album, contributed to Kiln House, singing backup vocals and playing keyboards. She also drew the album cover. After Kiln House, Fleetwood Mac were progressing and developing a new sound, and she was invited to join the band to help fill out the rhythm section. They released a single, Danny Kerwin's Dragonfly BW The Purple Dancer in the UK and certain European countries, but despite good notices in the press it was not a success. The B-side has been reissued only once, on a reprise German, and Dutch-only Best of Album. The single was reissued April 19, 2014 for Record Store Day 2014 in Europe on blue vinyl, and in the U.S. on translucent purple vinyl. Christine Perfect, who by this point had married bassist John McVie, made her first appearance with the band as Christine McVie at Bristol University, England, in May 1969, just as she was leaving Chicken Shack. She had had success with the Etta James classic I'd Rather Go Blind and was twice voted Female Artist of the Year in England. Christine McVie played her first gig as an official member of Fleetwood Mac on 1 August 1970 in New Orleans, Louisiana. CBS Records, which now owned Blue Horizon, released the band's fourth compilation album. The original Fleetwood Mac, containing previously unreleased material. The album was relatively successful, and the band continued to gain popularity. While on tour in February 1971, Jeremy Spencer said he was going out to get a magazine but never returned. After several days of frantic searching the band discovered that Spencer had joined a religious group, the Children of God. The band were liable for the remaining shows on the tour and asked Peter Green to step in as a replacement. Green brought along his friend Nigel Watson, who played the congas. Green was only back with Fleetwood Mac temporarily and the band began a search for a new guitarist. Green insisted on playing only new material and none he had written. He and Watson played only the last week of shows. The San Bernardino show on the 20th of February was taped. In the summer of 1971, the band held auditions for a replacement guitarist at their large country home, Bennyfold, which they had jointly bought with their manager Davis, for £23,000 prior to the Kiln House tour. A friend of the band, Judy Wong, recommended her high school friend Bob Welch, who was living in Paris, France, at the time. The band held a few meetings with Welch and decided to hire him, without actually playing with him, after they heard a tape of his songs. In September 1971, the band released their fifth studio album, Future Games. As a result of Welch's arrival and Spencer's departure, the album was different from anything they had done previously. While it became the band's first studio album to miss the charts in the UK, it helped to expand the band's appeal in the United States. In Europe CBS released Fleetwood Mac's first Greatest Hits album, which mostly consisted of songs by Peter Green, with one song by Spencer and one by Kerwin. In 1972, six months after the release of Future Games, 
the band released their sixth studio album, Bear Trees. Mostly composed by Kerwin, Bear Trees featured the Welch pen single Sentimental Lady, which would be a much bigger hit for Welch five years later when he re-recorded it for his solo album French Kiss, backed by Mick Fleetwood and Christine McVie. Bear Trees also featured Spare Me A Little Of Your Love, a bright Christine McVie song that became a staple of the band's live act throughout the early to mid-1970s. While the band was doing well in the studio, their tours started to be problematic. By 1972 Danny Kerwin had developed an alcohol dependency and was becoming alienated from Welch and the McVees. When Kerwin smashed his Gibson Les Paul custom guitar before a concert on a US tour in August 1972, refused to go on stage and criticized the band afterwards, Fleetwood fired him. Fleetwood said later that the pressure had become too much for Kerwin, and he had suffered a breakdown. In the three albums they released in this period they constantly changed lineups. In September 1972 the band added guitarist Bob Weston and vocalist Dave Walker, formerly of Savoy Brown and Idol Race. Bob Weston was well known as a slide guitarist and had known the band from his touring period with Long John Baldry. Fleetwood Mac also hired Savoy Brown's road manager, John Courage. Fleetwood. The McVees, Welch, Weston and Walker recorded the band's seventh studio album, Penguin, which was released in January 1973. After the tour the band fired Walker because they felt his vocal style and attitude did not fit well with the rest of the band. The remaining five members carried on and recorded the band's eighth studio album, Mystery to Me, six months later. This album contained Welch's song Hypnotized, which received a great amount of airplay on the radio and became one of the band's most successful songs to date in the US. The band was proud of the new album and anticipated that it would be a smash hit. While it did eventually go gold, personal problems within the band emerged. The McVie's marriage was under a lot of stress, which was aggravated by their constant working with each other and by John McVie's considerable alcohol abuse. Subsequent lack of touring meant that the album was unable to chart as high as the previous one. During the 1973 US tour to promote Mystery to Me, Weston had an affair with Fleetwood's wife Jenny Boyd Fleetwood, sister of Patty Boyd Harrison. Fleetwood was said to have been emotionally devastated by this, and could not continue with the tour. Courage fired Weston and two weeks in, with another 26 concerts scheduled, the tour was cancelled. The last date played was Lincoln, Nebraska, on the 20th of October 1973. In a late-night meeting after that show, the band told their sound engineer that the tour was over and Fleetwood Mac was splitting up. In late 1973, after the collapse of the US tour, the band's manager, Clifford Davis, was left with major touring commitments to fulfill and no band. Fleetwood Mac had temporarily disbanded in Nebraska, and its members had gone their separate ways. Davis was concerned that failing to complete the tour would destroy his reputation with bookers and promoters. He sent the band a letter in which he said he hadn't slaved for years to be brought down by the whims of irresponsible musicians. 
Davis claimed that he owned the name Fleetwood Mac and the right to choose the band members, and he recruited members of the band Legs, which had recently issued one single under Davis's management, to tour the US in early 1974 under the name The New Fleetwood Mac and perform the rescheduled dates. This band, who former guitarist Dave Walker said were very good, consisted of Elmer Gantry, Dave Terry, formerly of Velvet Opera, vocals, guitar, Kirby Gregory, formerly of Curved Air, guitar, Paul Martinez, formerly of the Downliners sect, bass, John Wilkinson, also known as Dave Wilkinson, keyboards, and Australian drummer Craig Collinge, formerly of Manfred Mann's H3, the librettos, Procession and Third World War. The members of this group were told that Fleetwood would join them after the tour had started, to validate the use of the name, and claimed that he had been involved in planning it. Davis and others stated that Fleetwood had committed himself to the project and had given instructions to hire musicians and rehearse the band. Davis said Collins had been hired only as a temporary stand-in drummer for rehearsals and the first two gigs, and that Fleetwood had agreed to appear on the rest of the tour, but then had backed out after the tour started. Fleetwood said later that he had not promised to appear on the tour. The new Fleetwood Mac tour began on 16 January 1974 at the Syria Mosque in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and according to one of the band members, the first concert went down a storm. The promoter was dubious at first, but said later that the crowd had loved the band and they were actually really good. More successful gigs followed, but then word got around that this was not the real Fleetwood Mac and audiences became hostile. The band was turned away from several gigs and the next half-dozen were pulled by promoters. The band struggled on and played further dates in the face of increasing hostility and heckling, more dates were pulled, the keyboard player quit, and after a concert in Edmonton where bottles were thrown at the stage, the tour collapsed. The band dissolved and the remainder of the tour was cancelled. The lawsuit that followed regarding who owned the rights to the name Fleetwood Mac put the original Fleetwood Mac on hiatus for almost a year. Although the band was named after Mick Fleetwood and John McVie, they had apparently signed contracts in which they had forfeited the rights to the name. Their record company, Warner Brothers Records, when appealed to, said they didn't know who owned it. The dispute was eventually settled amicably out of court, four years later, in what was described as a reasonable settlement not unfair to either party. In later years Fleetwood said that, in the end, he was grateful to Davis because the lawsuit was the reason the band moved to California. Nobody from the alternative lineup was ever made a part of the real Fleetwood Mac, although some of them later played in Danny Kerwin's studio band. Gantry and Gregory went on to become members of Stretch, whose 1975 UK hit single Why Did You Do It was written about the touring debacle. Gantry later collaborated with the Alan Parsons Project. Martinez went on to play with the deep, purple offshoot Pace Ashton Lord, as well as Robert Plant's backing band. While the other band had been on tour, Welch stayed in Los Angeles and connected with entertainment attorneys. 
He realized that the original Fleetwood Mac was being neglected by Warner Brothers and that they would need to change their base of operation from England to America, to which the rest of the band agreed. Rock promoter Bill Graham wrote a letter to Warner Brothers to convince them that the real Fleetwood Mac was, in fact, Fleetwood, Welch, and the McVees. This did not end the legal battle but the band was able to record as Fleetwood Mac again. Instead of hiring another manager, Fleetwood Mac, having reformed, became the only major rock band managed by the artists themselves. In September 1974, Fleetwood Mac signed a new recording contract with Warner Brothers, but remained on the reprise label. In the same month the band released their ninth studio album, Heroes Are Hard To Find. This was the first time Fleetwood Mac had only one guitarist. While on tour they added a second keyboardist, Doug Graves, who had been an engineer on Heroes Are Hard To Find. In late 1974 Graves was preparing to become a permanent member of the band by the end of their US tour. He said, I'm looking forward to adding something to this already great band. I helped engineer their album Heroes Are Hard To Find and got to know each member well. It came to me as a shock when Mick asked me to join but I am enjoying playing live with the band, and hopefully will start a new studio album with the band soon. However, Graves did not ultimately join full-time. In 1980, Christine McVie explained the decision. He, Doug Graves, was there to back me up, but I think it was decided after the first two or three concerts that I was better off without him. The band wanted me to expand my role and have a little more freedom, so he played some organ behind me, but he didn't play the same way I did. Robert, Bobby, Hunt, who had been in the band Head West with Bob Welch back in 1970, replaced Graves. Neither musician proved to be a long-term addition to the lineup. Welch left soon after the tour ended, on 5 December 1974 at Cal State University, having grown tired of touring and legal struggles. Nevertheless, the tour had enabled the Heroes album to reach a higher position on the American charts than any of the band's previous records. 1975-1987, edition of Buckingham and Nick's, and global success. After Welch decided to leave the band, Fleetwood began searching for a replacement. Whilst he was checking out Sound City Studios in Los Angeles, the house engineer, Keith Olsen, played him a track he had recorded, Frozen Love, from the album Buckingham Nicks, 1973. Fleetwood liked it and was introduced to the guitarist from the band, Lindsay Buckingham, who was at Sound City that day recording demos. Fleetwood asked him to join Fleetwood Mac and Buckingham agreed, on the condition that his music partner and girlfriend, Stevie Nicks, be included. Buckingham and Nicks joined the band on New Year's Eve 1974, within four weeks of the previous incarnation splitting. In 1975, the new lineup released another self-titled album, their tenth studio album. The album was a breakthrough for the band and became a huge hit, reaching number one in the US and selling over 7 million copies. Among the hit singles from this album were Christine McVie's Over My Head and Say You Love Me in Stevie Nicks's Rhiannon, as well as the much-played album track Landslide, 
a live rendition of which became a hit 20 years later on the dance album. In 1976, the band was suffering from severe stress. With success came the end of John and Christine McVie's marriage, as well as Buckingham and Nix's long-term romantic relationship. Fleetwood, meanwhile, was in the midst of divorce proceedings from his wife, Jenny. The pressure on Fleetwood Mac to release a successful follow-up album, combined with their newfound wealth, led to creative and personal tensions which were allegedly fueled by high consumption of drugs and alcohol. The band's 11th studio album, Rumors, was released in the spring of 1977. In this album, the band members laid bare the emotional turmoil they were experiencing at the time. Rumors was critically acclaimed and won the Grammy Award for Album of the Year in 1977. The album generated four top ten singles, Buckingham's Go Your Own Way, Nex's U.S. No. One Dreams and Christine McVie's Don't Stop and You Make Loving Fun. Buckingham's Secondhand News, Nix's Gold Dust Woman, and The Chain, the only song written by all five band members, also received significant radio airplay. By 2003 rumors had sold over 19 million copies in the US alone, certified as a diamond album by the RIA, and a total of 40 million copies worldwide, bringing it to eighth on the list of best-selling albums. Fleetwood Mac supported the album with a lucrative tour. Thank you all so much for listening. I really hope that you enjoyed today's strange tale. If you did please smash that gorgeous like button, and subscribe so that you will be notified to future shows. Also if you could write a 5 star review that would really help us get the word out, so other people can enjoy the podcast as well. You can follow me on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube at Strange Tales Pod. Or you can message me at strangetalespod at gmail.com, with feedback or ideas on future shows. If you would like to support the podcast you can do so through Patreon, go to patreon.com forward slash strangetalespod. Where we have plans from as little as 3 US dollars a month and you can opt out any time. Any help is much appreciated. This is me your host Winston R. Douglas signing out for now. Thanks again hope to see you again soon.